Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Aaron, hey, it's Luke. Hey, Luke, what's up? Hey, man, so you know Trivia Night is tomorrow night, which I know you can't come to because you live too far away. But I did have a little piece of trivia that I wanted to share with you. Okay. I know earlier this week you made your stand-up comedy debut, right? I did. Did you know that 30 years ago this week, the Comedy Channel also debuted, which became Comedy Central? Really? Yeah, 30 years ago this week. That's awesome. I just thought that was fun that you have the same comedy birthday as... Comedy Central. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, man. Happy comedy birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. I can't wait to see you perform and heckle you. It's going to happen sometime. I'm, I've got the bug now, dude. I'm going to be doing it all the time. All right, man. Well, hey, come be on 30 Pop again. <laughs> Someday. I would love to. Well, that's all I got. All right. See ya. See ya. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop. A weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 38, Two Pigs Fighting Under a Blanket. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, November 18, 1989. Hello, faithful listeners and fellow nostalgia lovers, and welcome to yet another episode of 30 Pop. It's an exciting week this week as we have much upon which to reminisce, especially as it relates to Hollywood, as we previewed on last week's episode. But first, in the music world, for the fourth and final week, the number one album in the country was Janet Jackson's revolutionary Rhythm Nation 1814, and the number one single for the second straight week was Bad English's When I See You Smile. But on November 17, 1989, we also saw the release of the sophomore album of one of my very favorite 1980s hip-hop artists, Rob Bass. The album, The Incredible Bass, made it to number 50 on the Billboard Top 200, and number 20 on the Billboard's Top R&B and Hip-Hop charts, but didn't come close to the success of his 1988 debut album, It Takes Two. Regardless, I loved it. In sports news, in the first of what became a series of record-breaking baseball contracts in a matter of a few short weeks, the Kansas City Royals signed 25-year-old pitcher Brett Saberhagen to a three-year contract extension worth $2,966,667 per year, making him the highest-paid player in baseball for about five days when the record was broken. But I'm sure it was sweet while it lasted. For context, though, for those of you who, like me, don't follow baseball, the highest paid players in the majors today are inching ever closer to the $40 million per year mark. That's some pretty serious inflation. Anyway, on to movies. We had several big releases this week in 1989, including the directorial debut from comedy king Eddie Murphy, Harlem Nights, in which he starred alongside fellow masters of the craft Richard Pryor and Red Fox. This movie is interesting to me, because... After the massive success of Murphy's most recent previous release, Coming to America, which, if you didn't know, has a sequel on the way next year, 
This was considered to be a turning point in his career, like in the wrong direction. Critics thought Harlem Knights moved too slowly and just wasn't really funny. In fact, Siskel and Ebert said they were both bored and offended by the movie. And I guess I can see how folks with certain sensibilities could be offended by the movie's language or violence or a number of other things. But I watched it for the first time this week and I didn't hate it. I mean, I don't love it like I love Coming to America or Beverly Hills Cop, which, by the way, also has another sequel on the way. But it isn't bad. Another interesting thing about this movie, though, is the number of violent incidents with which it was connected on its opening night. There were major fights and or shootings in at least four theaters across the country where it was being screened on opening night, as well as one hour-long riot. So bizarre. Another film that released in theaters 30 years ago this week, one that also caused emotions to run high but that did not, at least to my knowledge, result in any gun violence, was the star-studded, heart-rending dramedy Steel Magnolias. I had the great pleasure of sitting down this week with my dear friend, Trivia Night regular and Steel Magnolias fanatic, Haley Durrett, to talk about it. Haley Durrett, welcome back to 30 Pop. Hello, thank you. I'm so excited to be I back. know you are. So I didn't <laughs> know if this was going to work because we had people claim this episode early, early on, but then they wound up not being available when the time came. So here you are to I talk mean, Steel Magnolias. True fan right here. I'm not going to pass up this opportunity. Well, let's just call it a birthday gift. You've got a birthday coming up this week, right? So do you. Or I guess when we release, we will have both celebrated birthdays. Yeah. Happy birthday to us. Thanks for that. What birthday is it for you? This is 29 for me. Okay. So you still aren't quite to your your dirty 30. (laughs) (laughs) One more year. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. But nonetheless, this movie that turns 30 this week, Mm -hmm. one year older than you. Yep. You're a lifelong fan of? I, Yeah. I honestly have no idea when the first time I saw this movie was. I have been aware of it forever, which makes me think that I was watching it as a baby with my mom. My mom is a huge fan of this movie, and we reference it all the time. And so language such as blush and bashful in our wedding colors and things like that have always been a part of our family vocabulary. We've made jokes about how my dad will be shooting neighborhood birds on the day of my wedding and just things like that. And so that's part of my history is that I've just always had this movie kind of as a cultural reference point. But also, because of that, I didn't really think much about the plot of it. And then one time in college, I watched it. And at the time, a family member of mine had recently been diagnosed with kidney disease. And I, like, lost it. It struck me in a totally different way. And then there was a period after that that I just, like, couldn't watch it for a while. So let's talk about that. So full transparency, I saw this movie today for the first time in my life. That's wild to me for the it's record. Just, I was a nine-year-old boy when it came out. Like, it just wasn't a thing that was, like, on my radar to watch. You know what I mean? I and mean, just maybe. never really got around to it. <laughs> and so I went into this. You know, I hear you. I hear our friend Zach, who's been on the show. Our friend Becca, who's been on the show. Mm-hmm. I hear you all talk about this movie all the time. I went into it totally expecting this to be a comedy. I just thought, oh, it's a comedy. (laughs) Rookie mistake. (laughs) And it was like kind of funny until the first scene where Julia Roberts or J-Rob, as Zach calls her, (laughs) is like spitting orange juice out and having, she's like seizing in a beautician's chair. Uh, Glamour technician. Sorry. Glamour technician. I couldn't think of the word. (laughs) So I couldn't, I was not ready for the film that I experienced. I did love it. I did love it. And now okay. I understand why people are like, how have you never seen that movie? It's like, okay, this is just a really great movie. Yeah, it's phenomenal. But it's not a comedy. I mean, there's funny elements. It's written with a lot of wit and humor. 
but it deals with like heavy topics and death and divorce and yeah, spoiler, a lot of stuff. Spoiler alert. I mean, <laughs> sorry guys. There's like a statute of limitations, I think, on spoilers. 30 where, years. Yeah. I mean, you didn't hear any spoilers though. So. That's true. That's true. Which is <laughs> shocking. Other than Zach telling me to bring tissues when I watched it. But uh, yeah, so this was a uh, first time for me. Loved it. Thought it was really, really great. I thought Dolly was fantastic. Mm. It's got me now going to finally start the new Dolly Parton podcast, Dolly Parton's America, which is also so wonderful. Oh my God, it's incredible. Like, it is remarkable how well done that podcast is. It's no 30 pop, but it's I good. mean, it's totally good. different vein, totally different vein. <laughs> but it is, I have really enjoyed it. Okay, so I want to hear about a few of your kind of favorite moments from this film. I mean, obviously, favorite moment for sure is... Drum is the dad's name. The dad out there shooting birds on the day of the wedding just to like get them out of the neighborhood. That yeah. definitely struck a chord with me. I'm sure I've said this story a hundred times, but it's like one of my favorite go-tos. The day that I was moving into college in 2009, my parents were helping me move in. I was attending Texas A&M University, and we decided to go to the Walmart in Bryan, which is the adjacent town, instead of the Walmart in College Station, because we were like, oh, we're smarter than everyone else. We're more clever. We're going to go to the less crowded Walmart. So we walk in and my mom and I are walking up and down the aisles buying trash can hangers, the kind of stuff that you buy when you move in and not like bring with you. And finally we're ready to check out. And so I call my dad and I'm like, Hey, can you meet us at the front? We're ready to go. He's like, uh, it's going to be a couple minutes. And I was like, Oh, where are you? And he's like, uh, it's, don't worry about it. It's just going to be a minute. And we're like, okay, are you okay? He's like, yeah, yeah, just, well, I'm in the I'm in the outdoor section, and they're running my background right now. Um, so he's buying a gun. He was buying a gun. That's while the day I was moving to college, that was his priority. That day was I need a new hunting gun, nice. and I was like, I can't, I cannot with him. So Tom Skerritt that plays drum in the movie, I thought the whole time I was like, this is one of the most underrated roles <laughs> in the film. Like he's yeah. so good. He is. I know dads just like him. I have know? a dad just like him. Yeah, clearly. I mean, I mean, and I know your dad. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. I just thought he was actually really brilliant. He's actually really like a brilliant actor too. He was in a mm -hmm. show in the nineties called Picket Fences and he was kind of the main character and just, he was incredible. So I've always loved Tom Skerritt. Yeah. Top Gun. He's in all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But. So that was for sure a favorite scene. And I also love, I mean, Sally Fields at the funeral, just like one of the most breathtaking scenes in oh, film, in my opinion. I was not ready. I, I mean, was sitting there crying at my desk because I listened to this film today while I was working and was like, Haley, get it together. This is not the day you cry at work. Like Today is not that day, which I should have known. I've seen it a hundred times, but yeah. every time she just, she expresses that grief in a really real way. Yeah, unbelievable. So mm -hmm. my experience watching it today, I got to the point where Julia Roberts dies, where mm -hmm. her character dies. Yeah. And I thought to myself, Zach was wrong. Like, I'm not emotional at all. I mean, it's sad, but it's like, sure. I'm fine. I was not ready for the funeral scene. Well, they kind of gloss over, not gloss over, but they kind of like move quickly through her hospital stay and taking her off life support. They kind of just mm -hmm. not shuffle through it, but move through it with a fast pace. And so there's not a lot of time to emote there. And they focus more on how the people handle it afterwards. Yeah. And that's where those emotions are. Oh. And I've seen someone be taken off life support before, and it's weird and voyeuristic in a way. You're like, I, what is happening? Yeah. At least in my experience. But those emotions come later when you're realizing your life is continuing without somebody. 
Yeah. So like the line Sally Field when she's sort of having this explosive moment and she says, I can run to Texas. My daughter can't and she never could. Like mm-hmm. that's one of those things. It's like, why is that the thing that's in your mind? You know what I mean? Yeah. But man, it's just so brilliant. And it's funny because Sally Field is typically so sort of mild mannered and really in like every role. She's mm-hmm. not like, you know, she can be kind of silly, but she's never angry. You don't really see right. angry Sally Field. And even in that moment, she sort of gets mad at Nell and then calms down and walks away calmly and then it just comes, you know, mm-hmm. just totally explodes. So, oh, so Anel. <laughs> okay. Do you have favorite lines from the movie? Oh gosh. There's so many. The one that I like started chuckling out loud in my office today was when they said he's a boil on the butt of humanity. And yes. I just like started laughing at my desk and my coworkers looked at me like I was crazy, like they always do when I'm laughing spontaneously. And that one really got me going. Gosh, it's the lines are so clever throughout the whole thing. There aren't, an, I mean, there aren't enough lines that I could recite. There's too many. Well, and Dolly has so many. So there's oh. one early on where Dolly just got her hair cut or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and Nell tells her, you've got like hair and curls all over you. And she says, there's so much static electricity in this place. I pick up everything but boys and money. <laughs> I love, love that. Loved the only thing that separates us from the animals is our ability to accessorize. I oh, thought that was so good. Just, that's really good writing, especially considering this was written by like, a 30-something-year-old man. You know what I mean? Oh, I did not realize yeah, that. Yeah, the play hmm. was actually written a couple years earlier, and it was Robert mm-hmm. Harling, I think is his name, who was, I mean, he's just like a mid-30s guy. Yeah, he's a clever dude then, yeah. or he's been around some really funny people in his life. Well, so these all of the characters are based on real people in his life. So he wrote this after, a, I think it's his sister had just had kidney failure or something. Mm-hmm. This was all essentially based on real people, real people, yeah. true events, whatever. So, And you know, I'd rather walk on my lips than criticize anyone, but... There are a few lines from the movie that I didn't understand, so maybe you, okay. can, you can sort of help me out. So Happy. one was, I'm going to paint my front door red and change my name to Elizabeth Arden. Okay. Are you not familiar with Elizabeth Arden? I don't I know guess. who that is. Elizabeth Arden created a cosmetics line called Elizabeth Arden, and the iconic logo of that and all the advertising featured this bright red door. Okay. So that's, okay. that's that interpretation. Yeah. I have never used any Elizabeth Arden products. That was a little... Uh, Pre-Haley, but... Okay. Yeah. Next one, uh, you're too twisted for color TV, Clarie. <laughs> I was like, I love that line. I don't have a clue what they're saying. I have never watched black and white television, so I'm not sure. Really? At the ripe age of 29, you've never watched black and white television. That's amazing. I mean, maybe the Andy Griffith show. Right. But, yeah. I mean, I watch it on my computer these You're days. too twisted for color TV, Clarie. I just, I love the writing in this. So good. Another one was... Honey, time marches on, and eventually you realize it's marching across your face. I... <laughs> when she's talking about her crow's feet, yeah. Oh, it's so and right before that awful haircut. Okay, maybe um, maybe my favorite line in the movie. Get with it, Clary. This is the eighties. If you can achieve puberty, you can achieve a pass. That's, <laughs> That's so a, good. Another line that caused spontaneous laughter at my desk. So good. So good. And also, there's no such thing as natural beauty. I say that all the time. Like, that's how I justify spending money on my hair and makeup and all of the things. I'm like, well, there's no such thing as natural beauty. So let's talk real quick about Shirley MacLaine. The legend. Weezer. Uh, So, fun fact. I have had two cats in my adulthood. Um, (laughs) And I wanted so desperately to name this first cat that I got right out of college. I wanted to name her Weezer Boudreaux. Like, that was... The name. And people kept trying to talk me out of it because they were like, Haley, 
there's such a small handful of people that know that movie well enough to know the reference. And also, it's not like a catchy cat name. And I was like, guys. I don't think that's true at all. Well, I wish I'd known you then because I ended up naming that cat Pippa, which is like another great cat name. But Weezer Boudreaux, I mean, is there a better character in cinematic history? I mean, seriously, like from the very first moment that it shows her, just a complete mess, you know, trying to <laughs> control her dog, coming up to the front door, like... I mean, as soon as it showed her, I was like, oh, this is a brilliant character. And mm-hmm. she remains brilliant to the very end of the movie. She's absolutely incredible. There's, so, yeah. so good. And she has so many. I mean, between her and Dolly, like all of the best lines happen, mm. I think, between her and Dolly. Absolutely. And Olympia Dukakis, who also, I mean, is also a really funny character. Yes. The relationship between Clary and Weezer is just friendship goals, life goals. Yeah. That's, Even though they act like they hate each other. But that's, that, it's endearing. That's yeah. what, like, long-term friendship and love is is this just like love hate banter back or at least from what i can tell (laughs) yeah so okay so if you had to say maybe your top three life lessons that you learned from steel magnolias top three life lessons from steel magnolias one female friendships can change the world okay and do and will i think there's something incredibly powerful about female connection with other females and female community uh life lesson number two Blush and bashful will always be tasteful wedding colors. And life lesson number three, do not make your groom's cake an animal. Oh, the armadillo. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was ridiculous. That was extreme. So my best friend, Sarah, her husband wanted a quail for his groom's cake. That is weird. I think it was some kind of bird. I don't know birds, but he wanted some hunted bird. And her sister and I were just appalled by this concept. (sighs) Did it happen? No, but... Did the wedding happen? The wedding happened. (laughs) The wedding happened. The cake did not in that regard because we kept saying, this is your armadillo cake. Like, you can't. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. You can't make that happen. And it was was a whole thing. Haley, thanks as always for being on. Oh, (laughs) actually, before you go... Okay. Next week's trivia night. So when when this episode (laughs) airs, we've got a little over 24 hours until trivia night. Well... I will be there winning. So let's talk real quick. Okay. You did not win last month. Okay. I feel like it's not just a win or lose. You didn't come in first. Right. But there's multiple places. We have never come in last. We have always placed. Well, yeah. We've always placed. That's true. We are a top tier team. So that's what you mean by winning? That's what I can expect from you Tuesday night? Okay. Here's a question for you. Okay. University of Alabama football team. Arguably the best football team in college football. I'm not going to know the answer okay. to this question. They don't win the championship every year. They win a lot of years. They win most years. I'm going to take your word for that. But they are known as the best football program in the country. Oh, wow. Okay, so I see the comparison you're drawing. So you consider Durrett Dynasty, who's won one time, <laughs> the best team in Trivia Night? Yes. Okay. Do you agree? Well, we've had another team that's won twice, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not about the number of wins. It's well, about... But, okay, so are there teams that have won the football stuff more than Alabama? I don't know that. Okay. <laughs> this was a little either. bit of a stretch yeah. of an analogy yeah. for yeah. me. It felt if like I'm it to completely. me, too. <laughs> but more because you've only won, actually won we once. We are a top-tier team full of winners, 
people on our team have placed high. I mean, we've got the genius Emily Fraker, who has gotten first place on her own, which I think then can count as a victory for our team. She had a different team name. We all had different team names, but she is a champion who is on our team. She's a first place winner on our team. You have a ringer. I will say that. You have brought in a ringer. I just know (laughs) we have Thunder Rats Ho. Mm. who were supposed to be coming, and Three Men and a Baby, who were supposed to be coming Tuesday night. And I just think you got your work cut out for you. And so I actually only meant this to say, like, happy birthday and good luck. <laughs> good luck. Sure, sure. Good luck to the well, Dirt we Dynasty. will be there, ready to win and celebrate a little post-birthday victory celebration. All right. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock at Cafeza. We'll see you there. Sounds good. Thank you, Haley. Thanks. Huge thanks, and once again, happiest of birthdays to Haley. Her team, the Durrett Dynasty, really does show up ready to play every single trivia night, and whether they win or lose, they always bring the party with them. There were a couple other notable film releases this week in 1989, animated releases in fact, the first of which I have, to my shame and the great surprise and disappointment of so many friends, never seen. All dogs go to heaven. I'm sure it's great and all, but I don't need an animated film to prove something so plainly true to me. All dogs obviously go to heaven. Except mine, Dexter, because he's just never going to die. I don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. The other major animated feature that released was Disney's The Little Mermaid, which everybody loves. I had the unique opportunity this week to also steal a few minutes with one of the most highly regarded, at least by me, and difficult to pin down, children's film critics around. The lovely and eloquent Ms. Madeline to hear her thoughts on the Disney classic. Here's our conversation. Matta, welcome to 30 Pop. Hi, I do. Did you know that this week, 30 years ago, one of your favorite movies came out? Well. The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Do you like The Little Mermaid? Yeah. And you, Little Mermaid. There's a new Little Mermaid? Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the old Little Mermaid. Have you seen that one? Yeah. What's your favorite part about the Little Mermaid? I like when, I like when her turn into a human. Oh, when the mermaid turns into a human? And, and her can talk. And she can talk, yeah. Oh, she can't talk because she loses her voice. I'm talking about the ending. When she gets her voice back. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you know the song that she sings? Um... That's exactly right. I love when you sing it. Okay, Matt, let me ask you one more question, okay? On a scale of 1 to 10, what score would you give The Little Mermaid? Um, do you love it? Is it a 10 or do you hate it and it's a 1? A 10. It's a 10. You love it? So as a film critic, you would say, 10 out of 10, 10 stars, Little Mermaid, go see it. 10, 10, 2 stars, go see it. Perfect. Matta, thank you for being on my show. Thanks. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Huge thanks to Matta for being on the show and to her parents for letting her. Hopefully I'll land another interview with her in the future. Thanks also, as always, to you for listening, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the show. It's such a huge help to me. 
but also to you if you're in Houston and can make it out to one of our monthly 80s trivia nights. Your team will get bonus points for every member who is subscribed and for each one who leaves a review on Apple Podcasts, preferably a five-star review. I'll be back next week for episode 39, looking back at one of my very favorite movies from the 80s, Back to the Future 2. I hope you'll join me. Until then, in the words of Sally Field, let me put it this way. If you and Jackson want to practice safe sex, you're all set. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.